This is the Doc Talk Podcast 2022, episode 32. Dr. Rob, this is like the quickest turnaround we've done for a podcast in a long time. We recorded on Thursday, got that one out the door real quick. Here we back Sunday morning, and we're going to eat our Wheaties. I just like to hang out with you. You found the box. I found the box. So if you didn't listen to episode 31, uh, a topic came up discussing an old box of Wheaties that I thought had been thrown out because you're a huge wrestling fan. It had Kale Sanderson on it. Then we went down the rabbit hole of just Wheaties in general. (laughs) But Owen, having a pretty good idea of what's buried in the basement here, uh, went and found an extremely damaged box box of Wheaties. Which, I mean, you look at Kale Sanderson on that box, he looks like he's 11 years old now. I mean, you see him as the coach at Penn State, and he's he, he just kind of has that. I mean, he looks like he could still wrestle now. Yes. And wrestle at an incredibly high level, which I'm sure he could. But, God, he looks like he's 11 years old in that picture. Yeah, he, 159 and 0. That's a pretty darn good accomplishment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. To go through an entire college career, no losses. So, you know, it's funny because I always thought these would be like um, trading cards. And I'm like, if I keep this box of Wheaties, it's going to be worth money someday. <laughs> Even trading cards have kind of this weird, you got to find somebody who really wants Dude, they're at an all-time high right now. Baseball and basketball really? cards are going for un- a sick amount of money. See, I remember back in... I don't know, maybe like the 1990s. I remember there was a big spike in in trading cards. No. And I remember talking to my dad because my dad had like, he was a big Yankees fan. So he had all like the Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, uh, rookie cards, things like that. Literally like every kid from the 1950s shoved in a shoebox, go off to college, his mom threw it all out. Yeah, and so, see, and I that's mean, why I, I'm kind of a hoarder when it comes to this. Now it's it's not worth shit because um, you know it's damaged. It's all you know. Is there a date on here? I mean, it's well, I'm trying to think when Kale Sanderson would have gone, you know, 159 and oh, I just yeah, all you got to you know, do is just have, look up when he was in college. I have a computer college. at my, uh, I have a computer at my fingertips, but I, I mean that's got to be what 90s, maybe early 2000s. It looks like uh, it's there, there's a best if used better if used by stamping on the top, but there's no actual date stamp. Oh, is that right? So that's a little disappointing. So he was born in 1979, so he's 43 years old. So you figure that would have been right at figure. Let's say he did not redshirt. That'd be we'll say 21 years ago. So, so yeah. t- 2002 so, was his last year at Iowa State. Okay, so, so that would be t- so that would be 20, 20 year old box of Wheaties. Well, so the one the, the thing that started the conversation is I found a 94 national title yeah. box that we gave to uh, gave to Scott uh, at Husker Hounds, and he had con- he he had texted me. He's like, hey. My daughter wants to bust this open and see what they taste like. And I'm like, Scott, that is literally a 30-year, well, 28-year-old box of Wheaties. I mean, that is almost three decades old. Which, I mean, hermetically sealed in those sealed cereal bags. But, I mean, God, they got to be stale. I mean, I'm almost surprised with this. You can hear, like, the shaking sound, and I'm like... (laughs) 
How has this not been reduced to just powder at this point? <laughs> I have no point. They toasted the shit out of those things. Hey, you brought up uh, Scott Strunk from Husker Hounds, and I, I, I have a story for you because uh, Scott Strunk has been one of the original supporters of the Doc Talk podcast. And if you need any Husker gear, go to one of the two locations in the Omaha area, of course, the big superstore at 84th and Center. Uh, but I was talking to Scott yesterday because the manager of his store, who's worked for him since he was – 16 years old. I mean, that's the, the manager old... was 16 or since no, no, Scott no, was no, 16. No, no. So she started Husker Hounds just working retail when she was 16. Okay. Worked her way up to manage that store. Well, about a year ago, her daughter got brain cancer. Okay. And what, what's it called? Metalblastoma or something like that. I, I don't Medulloblastoma. Yeah. Medulloblastoma. I could, I, yeah. There's... Not a good cancer. Really bad. Well, cancer. I don't think any kind of that's brain true. Cancer is but she had, she had to, she basically had to, to, to quit her job for a year. She's gone back to work now. But uh, her daughter, Grace, was our honoree at Scareway Cancer last night. Okay. That's awesome. And we were able to donate Grace and her family $30,000 last night. That's amazing. And so, you know, Scott couldn't make it to to Scareway Cancer, uh, but it was a really emotional night, and a lot of people were shocked, surprised. Um, but uh, I told Scott before the event, I said, hey, just to let you know, this is going to happen tonight. And Scott gets so emotional. You know, Scott's an emotional dude. He wears it on his sleeve. He wears it on his sleeve, and uh, he was so happy, so thankful. Uh, but you, just you bringing up Scott made me think of that story, and I wanted to tell you. That's you, awesome. You were asking me about scareway cancer, and if, if you guys don't know anything about scareway cancer, go to scarewaycancer.org. Uh, it's a great organization run by uh, the good people at MCL Construction, uh, the company that I happen to work for, and it's an all-volunteer basis, and all we do is, is give away money. I mean, and, and we don't make Which, people wait. That event, you damn near got to sell your soul just to get in yeah. anymore. There's a waiting list to get yeah, in. It's very hard to get in. We haven't sent out invitations to the event in probably five years. What we do is if you bought a table, we give you two weeks in September to buy or in August. If you don't buy your table, you lose it. It's it's like it goes it's like, to the next person down the There's list. like a waiting yeah waiting list for season tickets is what it comes down to. <laughs> Uh, but That's when you know you got a good event. Yeah, you know, in, in all seriousness, we don't ask people to donate very much, but if you really want to make a difference in people's lives, we helped 87 families and patients last year. We gave away $181,000. It's about an average of $2,000 per grant. That's pretty damn cool. And I can tell you this, a lot of people still don't know about us, right? Because it's just, we're just a grassroots organization. We're, we're a nonprofit that exists. We're not, there's no... There's no administrative fees. There's not like an executive director or anything like that. We just, and it's, so if you know somebody, especially on the pediatric side, if you know somebody who needs, needs help, uh, go to scarewaycancer.org. There's an application process right there. You can set up a, a you can donate one time, but uh, we help a lot of people. And which, which from an, uh, which from a giving standpoint, yeah, it's a great organization in that sense, just because everything goes to the families. Yes. And, they, you know, a lot of people will say, well, we'll pay your bills for you. We just write the check to the family and because you need it, right? You need to make that car payment. You need just to buy groceries. You just need to, to do anything uh, to, to keep things going because, you know, the bills don't stop coming in. I mean, you work for a hospital, you get it. You know those bills don't stop coming in. But if you can make a difference, that's the way to do Which, it. And if you've ever, you know, if you've ever known a family that's dealt with a, a cancer, especially a pediatric cancer, yes. from a time standpoint, it's brutal. It's not one of these things where mom and dad can just keep working and carry on a normal life in terms of keeping an income coming in. 
it tends to break up families. It divides families because oftentimes you got one person's got to work, cover the bills. The other person has to handle the medical side of stuff. It's an incredibly difficult thing when you have a pediatric cancer in that sense because the family dynamic gets incredibly strained. And so this is an organization. I remember you were telling me that kind of the form, one of the things to formulate that sort of the mission of scare away cancer was to take that strain off of the family. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's amazing. If I could just show everybody all the thank you cards you get and, and whether it's a thousand dollars we give 2000, sometimes we get 5,000 last night we gave 30,000. Um, you just, you realize how appreciative people are. Uh, and how and how that money goes a long way. So you brought up Scott, and that just popped into my head, and I, I wanted to tell people about that story. And you've been to Scareway Cancer. You came as Mr. Clean one year. Oh, it's an amazing event. Yeah, and we were able to still, because the Plumbers Union purchased the old Anthony's, and it was always at Anthony's. We were able to have it back there again, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Now you had you, you couldn't go because you're up at Augustana watching watching the the Vikings get their ass kicked by Minnesota State. Damn, Mankato. dude. I'm sorry, dude. You are you always were a big Mankato fan. So that whole northern. No, Iowa you know thing. why I'm a Mankato, uh, a Minnesota State Mankato fan, and it, and it, one reason. My good friend Mike Hastings is the hockey coach at Minnesota State. And Mike and Hastings, Mike's a good dude. Mike is a great dude. Used I used to, be, to live in his neighborhood. Yeah. He used to be the head coach at the Omaha Lancers. He was assistant with the with, with UNO. And he's taken uh, the Mavericks of Minnesota State to, to to the Frozen Four a couple times. And he's a good dude. That's the only reason I, no, I Mike, care about him. Mike's a great dude. I love Mike. It was, uh, you know, it, it was a tough game. Uh it's one of those things, I, you know, the way I phrased it after the game is that, you know, so every so often you have these games where sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug, and it just, stuff just doesn't go right. And you had passes that quarterback would have a perfect pass, it would hit the receiver, bounce off his hands, up into the air, get returned for a pick six. And it's one of those... You know, I don't, I'm not. I don't want to blame the receiver, but it's not like it's the quarterback's fault that he had that interception and it, and it was a pick six. But it was a game like that where that did happen. Where it's just if something could go wrong, it went wrong. And Minnesota State came in. They were kind of uh, kind of backs against the wall a little bit because they were in a situation. They had two losses coming in, and the third loss probably would have ensured they don't make the D2 playoffs. So it was really kind of a must win for them. So they, and they played like it. You look like you're having a blast up there. I know Ryan's uh, redshirting, but you, you're looking, you look like you have more. I'm, I'm being serious and I'm not <laughs> picking on Nebraska fans here. I'm just saying you look like you're having more fun at a D2 game than you do at Nebraska games. Oh, hundred percent. Well, <laughs> you know, the, the quality of football is so good. Yeah. And I think people really don't realize this. And we talked about this last year when he was going through recruiting that we're going to all of these GPAC games and Heartland games over in Iowa. We're going to these D2 football games. And it was amazing how good the overall quality of football is. The level of coaching in those lower divisions is amazing. And, and I think it, it almost has to be because you don't you, you maybe don't have the caliber of athletes. And I'm not saying coaching slacks at a high level, but I mean you've got it. You, you don't have a bunch of guys. You don't all your wide receivers. It's not this whole collection of the four one forty guys. 
I mean, if you've got a handful of guys who are running a four five to four seven at wide receiver at the D two level, you're doing you're doing pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. I mean, these guys aren't these these four star five star recruits coming out of high school. You've got to be able, from a fundamental standpoint, you have to coach at an incredibly high level. And so when you look at these NAIA schools, these D2 schools, these D3 schools, to put the product out there that you're seeing, it's a pretty high level of coaching, too. So the games are clean. You don't see as many penalties. You don't see a lot of turnovers. You see a lot of really good fundamental football. You, uh, you, uh, um, have, there's a pretty good Omaha contingent up there too. Omaha and Western Iowa contingent up there, isn't there? At Augustana, there is the uh, the D line coach, uh, a guy named uh, Kelly Scolton, uh, and he's a he's a Brandon, South Dakota guy. Uh, went to school at Augustana. But he, he's got this pipeline down in Nebraska and just recruits the heck out of the state of Nebraska right now. Um, and he's kind of, and, and it is, you get these little pipelines to specific high schools. You get one or two kids. And so there's some schools like Lincoln Southwest, Ashland Greenwood, um, Scott, uh, Elkhorn South. He's got a little bit of an Elkhorn North connection going now as well, too, and is making some inroads with Westside, where he's starting to get a lot of these kids up there. Um, And it it is interesting when you look at these schools, how they do things. Augustana recruits pretty far and wide. They hit California. They hit Texas. They hit the whole of the Midwest really hard. Um, You get some other schools like, like Mankato. I keep saying Mankato, so it's the... It's okay. I actually followed UNO football back in the day, so <laughs> I think it's, it's one of these things. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm like fl- having flashbacks to the old North Central Conference here. But when you look at Minnesota State, we were actually one of my son's teammates, who's also who's in his recruiting class. Uh he he's from Mankato, and I'm like, oh, did Mankato did Minnesota State talk to him much? And we were talking to his parents yesterday at the game, and they're like, no. Like goose egg, nothing that they really didn't dis- really. Yeah, and they they said Mankato, Minnesota State, really they 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 try to get outside of Minnesota, and they also hit. Believe it or not, you're seeing a lot of these D two schools going going the transfer route. They pick up a lot of transfers now, oh, that um, may, that and it depends on the school. I, Augustan, I haven't seen them really go that route much, but you do have some schools. Um, Sioux Falls University, which, I mean, blocks away from Augustana in Sioux Falls, Northern State, Minnesota State. Some of these schools go after the – they go after the transfers pretty hard. I mean, they go after kind of some of these FCS and uh, FBS kids who hit the transfer portal where they feel they're not panning out. And at, at a school like at Minnesota State or Northern State, some of these kids can – probably play right away more than they would if they tried to stay at that FBS level. You know, some habits are hard to break, like uh, Man- or Mankato State or I still say uh, Division One AA. I'm, I refuse to say. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of recently switched over to FCS because I finally started to have – in my head it was always one AA. Yeah. And I finally, within the last year or so, started having people like – What's one double A? Because like nobody knows that anymore. So what you're saying is you don't want to sound old anymore. 
<laughs> well, that plus I just assume my message actually get across and people know what the hell I'm well, talking it's about. It's because you're talking to a completely different generation. I it mean, is. So, I'm, I mean, any yeah, anybody our age, you say one double A and they know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. You say you say FCS and Huh? Well, yeah, I I have to still sit here and kind of do this thing in my head like Oh yeah, we're in the division that plays bowl games and doesn't have a real playoff football bowl subdivision. Yeah. So that was the way I always had to split it up in my head. So I look at, I look at, but yeah, it's anymore. It's you say one double A and nobody knows what the hell you're talking about. So I do say, I, I have started saying FCS begrudgingly. So while Rob was up in uh, Sioux Falls yesterday, and I'm going to take ownership. Well, first of all, I was watching the Iowa game as they got hammered by Ohio State. I mean, hammered. But you know what? They lost in a completely Iowa fashion. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, they held. Look at it. They held Ohio State to 66 yards rushing. They held Ohio State to less than 400 yards of total offense. Now, Ohio State had been averaging <laughs> like 250 yards on the ground, almost f- over 500 yards of total offense, right? And they Iowa. Kicks a field goal, it scores a defensive touchdown. The offense is just atrocious. Well, and that's the first question I asked you. I was like, wait a second, the touchdown was scored yes. by the defense? Yes. And they turned the ball over six times. Which it, is kind of uncharacteristic of Iowa. So, that one I will say. So this morning, this morning, we see a, a car pull up. Somebody runs up to my front yard and then takes off and gets in their car. And I'm like, what I think. What the hell that, was that? Yeah. And, and Anjanette goes, is that Kelly Keegan and Kelly Keegan? And you know Kelly. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I think it is Kelly Keegan. And all of a sudden I get a text. He goes, check your porch. So I go out on the porch. <laughs> Which if you talk to Kelly, that's exactly how Kelly yeah. talks. So I go out on the porch and it's a box of pastries. And on it says, tough loss, enjoy your six turnovers. And he had six pastry turnovers in the box. That's beautiful. That's a dick move, man. That's beautiful, Dick dude. move, but it was brilliant. That's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> he goes, He goes. I have six Hawkeye friends. It cost me $100, but it's worth it as I'm going. He's driving all around town. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's... <he> did- <laughs> That's amazing. So yeah, that was uh, uh, that was not much fun, but uh, I enjoyed the tasty pastry. But why you were up in Sioux Falls, and people think you did this, and I got to be honest, I do have access to Rob's Twitter account because I'm the one who posts the podcast on there. I'll put the videos on there and stuff like that. Well, yesterday I'm like, you know, everybody kind of likes to report cards. I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the 78 degree weather up yeah. in, up in Sioux Falls. So I'm like, you know what? Just as a joke, I'm go. What if we, and, and I put on there, versus off week, right? So I go, I'm just going to put a report card out there, give everybody an A, but the offensive line, and then give the overall score a B. And just put, you know, week versus off week. And the reaction was, it was amazing how much traction your report card got. It might have been the most traction report card you've had. And that's the crazy thing about it. <laughs> And it was a joke. It was a total joke. Which it, I, I will say, 95% of people got it. Because, I mean, we had ones who were like, this is total bullshit, Rob. You're, I can't believe you're bagging on the on the old line like this. You're a fucking bum. Hashtag sorry, Dave. And you know it's a joke. <laughs> and it's one of those, it's like, we love that stuff. We love the fact that people thought of it. And there was a ton of, you kind of gave the old line a, pr- I mean... God, you're pretty generous to the O line there. But there were some people who didn't pay attention and read what it was, and they're like, 
uh, are you stupid or something? They didn't play <laughs> this week. And I'm like, that's the point of the whole report well, and I card. I like the fact, I actually kind of missed the fact where you said versus yeah. off week. <laughs> which I will say, Nebraska wins the off season and they win the off weeks. <laughs> we so, are outstanding during those. If you got mad at that, simmer down. We're just having a we little bit of fun. We did have a couple fun. of people, which, man, I hope you keep following us. But, I mean, there was a couple of people who were like, you're not doing the program any good. I'm like... I do a fr- I do this podcast because I like hanging out with you and drinking beer. Well, this morning but, but we're hammering the coffee, second. but it's one of these things where it's like I don't do this because I'm here to help the program. I, I was going to say if people have listened to this podcast, and we're one of the longest running podcasts, we're only the, like a decade in this, or so. in this niche. And the truth is, Rob and I go back to doing this stuff on television. 20 over 20 years, years okay? When have you ever been a mouthpiece? And you, Hell no, uh, you know I'm not. I, I, that's because you're, you're a Cyclone fan. Damn it. Well, yeah, because I got the Kale Sanderson Weedies, you're, you're, right? You're a, Minnesota, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a Mankato State <laughs> Mavs fan. But it's not your job to be a mouthpiece no, for the program. But I, here's the other thing, too, is that the moment I start becoming a rah-rah I'm 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 like 100% positive never going to say anything negative not going to call it like it is then credibility gone absolutely and I, and I appreciate if you're really pro Nebraska now here's the thing don't get me wrong I'm very pro Nebraska I got oh, I'm knocking my microphone away here cuz I'm getting fired up um I got two degrees from the University of Nebraska system. I got my MD from Nebraska. I did my residency training through the University of Nebraska. I was a staff physician at UNMC. I'm very pro-Nebraska. Don't get me wrong, but I'm also not going to candy coat things that we see and try and be overly positive about something that's not positive. I I think we've done a good job. And this is why the people in Iowa, this is where people in Nebraska don't like me because I'm an Iowa fan. People in Iowa don't like me because they think I'm a Nebraska fan. It's just because I I refuse to be a mouthpiece for both, right? I I mean, Brian Ferentz, the nepotism that's taking place in Iowa right now, I'm not saying he's not qualified to be an offensive coordinator. I'm saying he's not a very good offensive coordinator, but I think it puts your dad in a very tough position to fire you when you're not performing as an offensive coordinator. And I think nepotism is is very tough in in the coaching ranks. Well, and that's one of the things like – if you're Brian Ferentz, at some point you'd think he's going to look at the situation and say, hey, maybe I should pull myself back out of this position. It, it, it's just where do you go then? Yes. I mean, you've got a, you, you've got a new O-line coach who, I don't know, I just think they, they're in the Nebraska rut right now where they've got They've had some graduations. They've had some injuries. They've had some subpar recruiting here and there. Now they're they're stuck with a handful of guys that aren't that good. You know, I, I'm not going to say the game has passed Kirk Ferentz by. I'm not going to say that. I believe you can win in any style of offense, right? You, you, Air Force wins with the triple option. Uh, a lot of people win with the spread or, or some form of the spread. Iowa runs a, a stereotypical pro-style offense but you got to have better athletes in the teams you're facing they do but also at the same time i think within the within the confines of that offense i don't think they use the weapons they have very effectively and and, and i know I, I put that probably more on brian than i do kirk but it's one of those situations where i go back a couple of years ago where you've got hawkinson you've got fant 
They had a pretty solid running back at the time. You had a good old line. They had the ability to just spread defenses around and hurt them from multiple different angles and didn't do it. I mean, it's at some point you've got to say, hey, we've got some playmakers here. we got to get the ball in those guys' hands. I mean, I look at I look at Keegan Johnson, which, again, injuries have been a thing with him this year, so I'm not faulting him this year. But I'm looking at him last year and going, okay, when you get the ball in his hands, he does stuff. Get the ball in his fucking hands. And you just didn't see that happening because, well, we don't want to upset the seniors and we got to do this and we're going to run our system irregardless of who the individual athletes are. I mean, you got to tailor stuff a little bit. It's not like Tom Osborne wasn't trying to get the ball into Abdul Muhammad's hands. It wasn't like he wasn't trying to get the ball to Amon Green and Lawrence Phillips and Clinton Childs, the guys that we had that were our playmakers. When we had tight ends who could catch the ball, they were throwing it to, to, to Eric Alford. They were throwing the ball to Mark Gilman. When we had those guys, Osborne used them. When Osborne realized, hey, we got a couple of guys who operate this offense fairly well out of shotgun – Let's run the entire run game out of shotgun, and then when we pass out of shotgun, it's going to shock people because we got a couple of quarterbacks who can do that with Broken Tommy. That's the kind of thing where you got to make use of the athletes you have, and I guess my big fault when I look at Kirk and Brian is that I don't have a problem with a good pro-style offense. Go to the good teams in the SEC Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia run these fairly, I mean, they're not super complicated. I mean, any any high-level offense has a degree of complication, but it's not like this is the, the Mouse Davis run and shoot. It, it's that this is a good, these are basic pro-style offenses that they're running. They're just, if you got teams like Tennessee and Georgia, they're making use of the of these five-star athletes that they have, and they're making sure they get the ball to those guys. I do believe you to, to, to win today. I mean, the offense always goes through the quarterback. I don't care what team it is. You've got to have a quarterback. I do believe in college football today you have to have a mobile quarterback. You, you, you have to have – you can't have the – the Spencer Petruses of the world that are just six four, not mobile, and to stand back there. It's it's, it's I, tough. I, I think if you, it, it depends I, on what kind of options I mean, you have. C- I mean, CJ C- Stroud is not what I'd say the most mobile quarterback, but he can run. Yeah. I mean, he has that option. Spencer Petrus really doesn't have that option. No, and that's true. He takes off. He's going to die. And we're going to show, if you follow us on YouTube uh, later on uh, this week, uh, go to our YouTube channel. We're going to show how Casey Thompson, I wouldn't say Casey's the most mobile guy in the world. They don't rely on him to run, no. but he has the ability to run. Yes, and at the same, well, and I don't know if they've asked him to. I, I, I almost think after what you saw with Martinez, where so much of a run game load was placed on him and you saw a the wear and tear it puts on the individual and b at the same time the susceptible if your quarterback is your main run threat the susceptibility for turnovers cranks way up I, I mean all of a sudden you got a guy who's maybe not used to carrying the ball as much isn't built to be that every down runner and all of a sudden you got 230 pound linebackers flying in there that's when the balls are going to start popping out and we saw that with Nebraska with Adrian a lot 
when when he is your main run threat, yeah. when the quarterback is your main run threat, it's a setup for turnovers. And I think they realize that now. Doesn't mean they can't be a run threat. Can't mean can't doesn't mean they can't be a good runner. And you you want that mobility. You want a guy who can run. But at the same time, too, I look at Nebraska and I know they're telling Casey, hey, just get rid of the ball. Don't take a hit. We, I mean, we freaking need you to stay healthy. Uh, a little bit later on, we're going to dive a, more into the Illinois game this weekend. Of course, uh, Illinois has a mobile quarterback in Tommy DeVito, and you'll also see a, a Tommy DeVito play in the Doc's Diagnosis presented by Centris Federal Credit Union. Dr. Rob, Nebraska is now a step away from legalized sports gambling. Uh, the rules have been approved. It's going to the Attorney General, I believe, for final approval. Then the governor's got to go sign it. Um, I'm happy that sports gambling is coming to, to Nebraska. However, it's messed up. And I, I do want to start by saying, uh, that Betfred sports is the official presenting sponsor of the doc talk podcast. we got a little vested interest. Well, but, but it's not even a vested interest in, in I think this week on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, I'm going to break down why Nebraska is getting it wrong. Uh, but download the Betfred sports app today on the Apple and Google play stores, then drive over to Iowa and place your bet. Or if you live in Arizona, if you live in Colorado, you can do it there. And if you use uh, on a new sign up the, the, the promo code DOCTALK, we're going to give you a free $20 bet. Again, a free $20 bet with the promo code DOCTALK for just for downloading the Betfred Sports app. And again, uh, that, that offer is good in Iowa, Arizona, and Colorado. Um, but Betfred is is all around. Uh, you can find it uh, in, in Ohio, the official uh, betting partner of the Cincinnati Bengals. They're in Louisiana. They're in Arizona. Uh, so if you want to know more about Betfred, go to betfredsports.com. But as I bring up the app, here's where things fucked up with Nebraska. Okay? They're not going to allow mobile gambling, and they're not going to allow you to bet on team. No. So you can't use – they want you to go to the casino. It's only in person. This is stupid, and I'm going to show you numbers. And and later this week on YouTube, I'm going to show numbers that will astonish you and why in-person wagering doesn't work. And listen, and why people will continue to flock to Iowa and other states to place their bets because Nebraska gets it wrong. They're so close to getting it right, but they always want to be a step behind. First of all, no mobile gambling, stupid. And then you're not allowed to bet on teams in the state. You can't bet on Creighton. You can't bet on Nebraska. Listen, Iowa doesn't have a problem with people betting on Iowa and Iowa State. It doesn't influence the game at all. If you're worried about some booze because they didn't cover or the over went, didn't hit, that's not going to happen within the stadium. It's not. It's stupid. Um, the, 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 the hypocrisy, hypocrisy of this is mind-blowing. It is. It's, it's one of these like, now sports betting's fine. Yes. We're going to let you do it. So you can't tell me it's not a – the argument is no longer a moral nope. argument. And if you want – I disagreed with that. I disagreed. It's one of those things I'll never – I always take the stance you can't legislate morality. You can't. And Now, I know some people, well, it's against the law to murder people. Well, yeah, you're right, but at the same time, too – by the way, he's not that's condoning a, murder. Here, yeah, that's a, mor- that's a moral code thing. It's like, no, you just don't murder people. Whether it's against the law or not, you don't fucking murder people. Yes. You don't break into people's homes and steal stuff. And that's an actual crime, it, by the way. 
Okay, well, no, now you're getting to legislating No, no, stuff. no, no. Well, just, no, if you break into somebody's I, yeah, house. Yeah, don't do that either. Well, murdering somebody's a crime, yes. too. My point is, is that there's, you can't legislate morality. Like drinking. It's drugs. People are going to do it. And, and, and there's some things where, you know, I there's, there's certain things that do have a carryover out into society. And I understand that. I mean, you don't want to legalize drinking and driving. No. Because, because that affects other people. But me gambling on Nebraska football, and I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I, I don't gamble much. It's just it's not my thing. Um, but you have no problem putting five, ten bucks down sometime. Just do hundred I mean, percent. Yeah. No, although it's interesting doing the behind the point spread yeah. with Scott Spritzer, where he talks about listen, if you ever want to make money at this at all, don't bet a lot. What did he? Well, you, well first of all, you, you well, only no, win you, about you 50. smart. You you bet smart. You don't bet a lot. Yes. There's a, the quality over yes. quantity. But he did say it's one of those things. If you're doing the five dollars here, twenty dollars there, you will never make money. It's, he said, if you want to do this as a living, it's like a two to $300 per bet kind of thing. Now, I think I, I'm willing to bet that 75% of the people who do mobile online betting, probably more than I'm probably are the five bucks here, 20 bucks there. I would agree with you. But I mean, that's the, that's cost of entertainment at that point is why you're doing it. There's a little bit of a thrill. You might win, might win a few bucks. You're doing it for the fun of it. And that's where this comes into it. It's I disagree with the legislation of morality aspect of it, but I understand the why if that was the reason why there was opposition to it, which at that point, it's an all or nothing. I don't understand the logic behind no mobile gambling because that's the way 99% of people want to do it in the first place. If I love sports books, by the way, there are a few places from an atmosphere standpoint to watch more different games. It's the ultimate man cave basement are sports books. So I love that. But I mean, I guarantee you 99% of people who gamble do in fact do it mobily. Absolutely. And the fact that you're not going to allow that with this, it, it's from a hypocrisy standpoint, it's just, it's mind-blowingly idiotic. I, I 100% and agree And it's also, you. it's a revenue loss for Nebraska. I'm going to show later in the week how much of a revenue loss it is for Nebraska. And I think you're going to be absolutely astonished by the numbers that I'm going to provide one yeah, the, from the, one state. The fact that we're going to break this moral barrier, go ahead and say, let's do it and reap none of the benefit. Yes. So I'm glad that sports betting is coming to Nebraska. I'm disappointed in the way it's been implemented because you have state senators that are clueless it's on this the subject. Little, I'm looking at the screen here. It's this little baby step. It's, I know it's a baby step. And then it's gonna, li- and that's all. That's all it is. They and, took one baby and step. And they're going to be like, this hasn't been successful. Yeah, because people are still driving across the river to Iowa as they've been doing for the last 30 years. Yeah. If you only knew how much money has been lost to that state. And I'm an Iowan by, by birth, but I live in Nebraska. <laughs> If you only knew how much money has been lost to that state. I well, mean, visit we, Omaha. Even visit Omaha. The Omaha Visitor Convention Bureau well, we, has marketed the, 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 the Council Bluffs casinos for years because that's how they got people to come to do co- conventions here. Yes. 
Well, and we've talked about. I mean, we've had we've had. I mean, Brian Bennett on from from from, Bet Fred. from Bet Fred's interesting conversations with him because he'll tell you how much money Iowa makes off of not sports gambling off of mobile. Yes, yeah, sports will, gambling, and that's those are the numbers that I'm going to provide uh, later in the week. I think you're going to think it's uh, it may be a fascinating video. You may think I'm full of shit, but I'm just going to back up. They come right from the God. It's so much money. It, it's a lot of money. It's a serious, serious amount of cash. Now, do I think Nebraska could do the same amount of money as Iowa? I don't because Iowa has you know, a million more people than Nebraska does. So, I mean, the, the revenue is not going to quite be the same, but you're going to see the difference between in-person gambling on sports and mobile gambling, and it's absolutely astonishing what those numbers are. Of course, Nebraska had a week off, and if you're looking to go to Memorial Stadium to watch the Huskers take on Illinois, then be sure to check out my good friends at Ticket for Less. Now, Tickets for Less used to be uh, known to a complete generation as Ticket Express, and it has the best selection of tickets to all your favorite events, including uh, Nebraska football. So head over to ticketsforless.com and save on your next order when you use the promo code DOCTALK at checkout. That's a, uh, The code again is DOCTALK at ticketsforless.com. You never pay outrageous per-ticket uh, service fees uh, like you do on other sites. So order tickets uh, online at ticketsforless.com or call today at 402-398-1999. I was in the office the other day with Chad Carr, and uh, he looks like a million bucks. He just he seems happier. His, his complexion is back. He looks stress-free. It's, it was good to see Chad <laughs> in, in, in good shape. COVID's a bitch for people in that business. You know, and it really was. It was, so. and I get why. And, it's, and I and I understand too. We're a year and a half out from the la, from the shutdown. Yeah. That was a year and a half ago. A couple of years ago, there's still ramifications from that yeah. economically for a lot of people. That hit a lot of people hard. So Illinois had the off week. Nebraska had an off week. Um, it's going to be interesting because. N- Nebraska, you look at the games that are left. The West Division is is whacked out, man, and it, it's still anybody's race. But I think Illinois right now at five and one is Purdue, in the driver's seat. Yeah, Purdue kind of dropped off a little bit they got, here. Yeah, because they got beat yesterday. Wisconsin looked kind of good. So he, that, I think they found. I think they found their coach. I I I, I don't know. It, it's it's a it's one game. I, I, so I don't know. They looked good in one game. It just. It, Although I mean, kind of all the scuttlebutt had been they got they got rid of Paul Chris because they didn't want to lose Jim Leonard to somebody else. So let's start right away. Illinois is going to try to run the football. When you think of Brett Bielema, think of methodical Wisconsin. Think of Iowa in its heyday because that's where he's coached both. Right. Although I was a little surprised when you look at Illinois, at least from a passing standpoint, I was expecting to see nothing but play action pass all over the all over the place. They're not a horrible drop back team, and they they drop they do a more of a pro style drop back system than I thought we'd see from. But them. their run sets up their pass, and and Nebraska, Nebraska is gonna has had a hard time stopping the run. They're gonna face well, the we've le- had a hard time stopping the pass too. They they're gonna have to face Chase Brown, who leads the nation in running at one thousand fifty nine yards this year. And Brown is a unique passer, and you're gonna or a, a rusher. You're going to see him in the diagnosis presented by Central Federal Credit Union during the week. Not only can he run the football, but he we can hi- catch. He can catch. We highlight a play in which he comes out of the backfield, catches a touchdown pass. He's a pretty, he's a darn good athlete. He is, and that's an that's an NFL guy right there. If you're if you're a really good running back, 
kind of the two things for NFL running backs. You got to be able to you got to be able to catch the rock, and you got to be able to block. And if you can do those two things, somebody's going to find a job for you. And it's that's the scary thing with him right now is the fact that you know Nebraska is going to be keen on him as a runner. The fact that he can catch the ball is that 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 makes God that's hard to defend. So you know, and then you throw in the fact Tommy DeVito is a transfer quarterback from Syracuse. He got hurt in the Iowa game. He didn't play most of the Iowa game. They won that game nine to six. But he's come back. He he's a mobile type of guy. He can, he's he's a pretty good drop back passer. But he has the ability to run out of the pocket, which makes things again interesting. And he, for and he doesn't go down real easily. Some of the guys who are kind of your classic drop back passers. I mean, honestly, you look at a guy like Petrus. It doesn't. Those are guys who, when they get hit. They're covering up the ball. They're going to make sure they don't turn it over, and they're going to go down and just try and get the play over with as quickly as they can. That's not DeVito. He's going to try and get some yards on you. The interesting thing about Illinois is it's not an exciting offense. I mean, they're going to their run will set I up the best. I love a good run. Based no, I get offense, it. But what though. I mean, okay, let me back up. You're you're 100 correct. It's not wide. It's not the classic wide open. Offense. No, it's 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 ground and pound. If you want to think Big Ten offense, boom, this is it. That's it. So, yeah. it's you know, I was. I'll be curious to see. I'm, I want to give Bielum a few more years at Illinois before I really kind of put like an evaluation on him because I think he wanted to – I think he went to Arkansas and I think he kind of wanted to do his own thing. He didn't want the he Barry would, Alvarez model. He didn't want that Big Ten model. And I think if I think he got down to Arkansas and all – I mean, after two, three years, all of a sudden you realize – all of these teams, I mean, I mentioned them earlier. You look at the Tennessees and the Alabamas, the Georgias, Auburn when they're playing well, Mississippi State when they're playing well, LSU when they're playing well. They've got a good running back who can run. They've got an offensive line who can lean on you and grind you into the dirt over time. They all play a good, solid, pro-style offense, and I think Bielema, when he hit Wisconsin, kind of came to terms with that a little bit and kind of went back to the roots a little bit there. Rob, call me crazy. I mean, look at where Brett Bielema's been. He's been with Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. Uh, then he went to Wisconsin and was with Barry Alvarez. And when you live in those areas and you go to the SEC – it's a different it's a different world down there from a recruiting standpoint to a culture standpoint. Now, are you talking? That's going to be my question. Are you talking more like a recruiting culture yes, thing, I, sort of like I, I think, sort I of think, like Brian Kelly going to LSU kind of thing? Or listen, it's at the crossroads. You're you're when you go coaching the SEC, you're selling your soul to the devil. I really believe that. I, I mean, it's kind of a. Not saying SEC football isn't fun to watch. I'm just saying it takes a special human being that you better understand what the look at Brian. You've got to be able to relate to people yes. who it is a different culture. You have to navigate that landscape. That's why Auburn, who hires Brian Harzen from Boise State to go to Auburn because they want to make a you know a shift, it was a bad hire from the beginning. But you, you don't take a guy who's been at Boise and throw him at Auburn where they expect like wins now. That's those are. Those are backwaters you have to navigate that only a, a, a unique people who can and usually are in the SEC their entire careers can navigate those waters. Which I thought it was interesting when you look at a guy like Lane Kiffin who 
but being but in Alabama as long as he did, it was he he learned that helped it. a ton. Being down in Florida helped a ton. Um, yeah, because his, his his micro stint at Tennessee <laughs> that one year. I mean, that was a disaster. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, honestly, his time at USC was was and and with the Raiders were disasters too. There was a lot of maturation there, but he's one of these guys that I think, from a personality standpoint. He's got enough quirkiness to that personality that I think he knows how to look at a different culture and say, you know what, I got to be able to fit into this and I can make that work. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, he, and, also, and I he's think kind he's, of a slime ball. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but <laughs> no. He, well, I mean, there's a lot. There's of, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, he, what I mean by that is he he, he pushes the limits. I always say the great coaches can bend that that fine line. To the point where it almost breaks. Do you think Nick Saban's like that? Yes. I think they're all like that. I think the great ones are like that. I think Tom Osborne was like that. I think Tom knew where he could push. Yeah. Look at some of the Prop 48s he brought in. Come on. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of these Prop 48s that it's... In my mind, that was like a poor system to begin with. I would agree with you. Because you had a lot of kids. I mean, I knew guys who were like B-plus high school averages who just sucked ass at standardized tests okay. who were Prop 48. So I knew guys who were who had like a 32 on the ACT and a D-plus average in school <laughs> who were Prop 48s. I mean, these were smart people. I'm just saying sometimes you take a chance on questionable people. Tom took a chance on questionable people for a certain amount of time. He did. Lars well, Stoltz I think he is took, a questionable he, human well, being. And I think he took a – but there's also a why, too, because I think Tom took a chance on questionable people at the same time thinking, hey, if I can get them into a structured environment, yeah. we can turn these people into productive human beings and make a difference for society – and I think in Tom's mind, it wasn't the fact that he viewed it as a, I'm taking a chance on a risky kid who's who's a ne'er-do-well. It's, I think, Osborne looked at it saying, hey, here's a person who has value as a person and a contributor to society, and the fact that they had either a shitty GPA or a shitty standardized test score I'm not going to weigh that against them. I'm still going to bring them here no matter what. Now, am I saying Tom Osborne was was, was shady? Like, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just saying, I mean, I, you look at Nick Saban, I think there's a way of doing things with class. And I think Nick Saban does things with class, has expectations. You just don't, you just don't ever find anybody. I mean, you don't survive at Alabama that long unless you kind of, or in the SEC that long by not, you just don't. No, I, I'm trying to think of SEC coaches that I guess I'd I'd hold up there as like, hey, here is a person who is probably a really good person who had this really high, very sound moral compass and and, and didn't make it. Uh, David Cutcliffe, <laughs> Cutcliffe. Well, yeah, Bill Curry. I, I mean, there's been good guys who've been eaten yeah. up alive in that in that league, right? So I mean, I think Gene Stallings. Gene, yeah, but he boy. And, but I think he he I think he was at Alabama, won there, and got won the a national out. title, and was like, <laughs> and, he, 
And he was a Bear Bryant guy, and yeah. he was like, yeah, screw this shit. I'm getting the hell yeah. out of this place. But So we've talked a lot about the Illinois offense, We and we're going to get to Nebraska in its off week, but Illinois' defense is pretty darn good. It's it's one of the top in the nation, top in the nation, and the top scoring defense in the country, only giving up 8.86 points per game. It, with all this, so you throw in a 1,000-yard rusher, you throw in a, a mobile quarterback, you throw in an, a stellar defense, the An offense that, that knows how to churn up clock, too. And Nebraska can still win this game. That's what's crazy about the West is that you look at – and somebody asked me about Iowa the other day. They lost to Ohio State. I think the only guaranteed win Iowa has left is Northwestern, which Northwestern pushed uh, Maryland to the brink yesterday. But I look at the rest of the games Iowa has, I can't put a win or an L by either one of them because – they could go either way. I think Nebraska's in the same boat. I do. I think you're right when you. I mean, as bad as going back to the Purdue game. Yeah. As bad as Purdue kicked Nebraska's ass, which, by the way, I mean, you can't look at just that final score and be like, oh, no, we were we were within a score at the end. Yes, you were. Purdue kicked Nebraska's ass. That was an that was a beat down. Nebraska can take a beat down and still be in position to win the damn game. Yeah. And so I agree with and by you the way, on that. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. You can get beat statistically. Doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is scoreboard. And the truth is you look at what's left and every game's winnable, but every game's losable. losable. I know that's very simplistic, but I think you know what I mean by that. Right. Which by the way, I, we actually, after the, after the Augustana game yesterday, went and grabbed some dinner and watched the South Dakota state, North Dakota game. And it was kind of interesting because I, I thought North Dakota looked like a solid team when Nebraska played them, which keep in mind, that was a one-score game into the fourth quarter. Nebraska didn't open up a two-score lead until the fourth quarter of that football game. Uh, and so South Dakota State versus North Dakota, that was a, within within one double A. <laughs> That was a number one versus number 20 matchup. North Dakota's, they're a pretty damn good team. Now, Iowa played South Dakota State to open the season and beat South Dakota State. What was it, 7-3? to three? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was, ugly. It, was, it, was, it was a bad game. But let's just look at the Big Ten, right? I mean, yesterday, Ohio State beat Iowa 54-10. to 10. Penn State kicked the crap out of Minnesota. 45 to 17. Minnesota's had, they've got a couple of ugly losses there. I'm kind of wondering what's going on. Um, is Ibrahim out again? Uh, no, he he had uh, 30 carries, 30 carries. That's getting your ass kicked and only 102 yards. I mean, I say only yeah, that's a little, but, that's, that's old school right yeah, there. But 30 carries. Um, but then you had Rutgers turn around and beat Indiana 24 17. Wisconsin beats Purdue. Purdue had to make a late comeback. But this the West division is is crazy. And then Northwestern lost to Maryland 31 24. Yeah, that's it's pretty amazing how tight all those teams are. Well, another way to rephrase it, how bad that division is. It it's, it's it is a bad division across the board. I I think Michigan's a very good team. Ohio State's a very good team. I think Penn State's a solid team. I'm not ready to crown them as the same category as Ohio State and Michigan, but Penn State's a really good football team and right now God, that's three teams right there that are playing great football. We don't have anybody in the West right now that across the board Again, statistically, when you look at Illinois, you just rattled it all off. They look very good, 
But again, I don't know if Illinois is a great team. So here's what the West looks like. Illinois at three and one. Purdue at three and two. Nebraska at two and two. Wisconsin at two and three. To me, that's realistically, those are only the team. And Wisconsin's getting point where it's it's going to be out. But if you're Mickey Joseph during an off week, is it just me or is it the battling crowd? You say, hey, it doesn't matter. What matters is the scoreboard. And if you and right now you beat Illinois, and who knows? And I got to look at Purdue's schedule. But Nebraska with a very good opportunity to be in this West Division. Not, so now, not when say you, you say it doesn't matter, what do you mean? Like does, what? What the statistics? Don't ignore the statistics, right? Gotcha. I mean, I get it, but it's like like you just said is that Purdue kicked the crap out of yeah, Nebraska. It's a just win, baby. It's kind a of, just win, baby. That's all that matters at this point. Agree? Hundred percent agree. I mean, there's some stuff Nebraska's got to do to win. Maybe find a couple of offensive tackles who can block, but, so but you, I mean, it's easier said than done, though. It is. I mean, I think there's some things Nebraska is going to have to be able to do. They got to keep getting the ball to Trey Palmer. Um, don't for a second think that Illinois is not going to try to lock him down. They're going to do everything they can to lock him down, and you're going to have a couple of other guys who are going to have to step up in the receiving game to, for Nebraska to be able to win this. Um, Casey's going to have to play a great game. But I think he's been within the scope of what Nebraska has been able to do this year. I'm hugely impressed with Casey Thompson. So am I. I think he's come into a tough situation. New, new, new group of guys around him, new coaching staff, new system. This is a tough situation for him. I think he's done a great job. I'm a huge fan of what he's been able to do. Um, but I think Nebraska is going to have to, at some point, they got to establish a running game. You got to keep the ball out of the opponent's hands a little bit. If you try and get in a shootout like they did with Purdue, they're going to have some trouble. You can't let a. And that's the difference here, right? Purdue yeah. is, I mean, or Illinois is not going to try to get you into a shootout. No, they're not, but they've got the capability to score points and they've got players who can do it. Um, I, I, I worry about. So Purdue is a time of possession disaster for Nebraska. I mean, that was literally a three-quarters to one-quarter game. Nebraska had the ball for one quarter against Purdue. I mean, that's ridiculous. They can't – and Purdue did it with a passing offense. A team like Illinois, if they sit there and just grind and grind and grind and grind and get and hold the ball for three-quarters again – Boy, God, it's going to be hard to win that game. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Illinois uh, ranked 18th in the country, uh, and the new ratings haven't come out. I don't know if they'll go up or down, but they were off this weekend, so I wouldn't expect them to go up. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You you can take pride in the West. If you're playing Michigan or Ohio State, doesn't matter who's coming out of that division can get their ass kicked in December. I, I, I mean – Nobody, yes. nobody can compete with Ohio State or Michigan in, in that West Division right now. Uh, who, who all has Ohio State played right now? Uh, Ohio, the big, the big one would be uh, Ohio State goes to Penn State next week. That's the okay. big game. So you got Ohio State, who's going to be at Penn State. So Ohio State has uh, a win over Notre Dame, a win over Arkansas State, a win over Toledo. Uh, beat Wisconsin 52-21, beat Rutgers 49-10, beat Michigan State 49-20, beat Iowa 54-10. to Then it goes at Penn State, at Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, and Michigan. That's so they, they, got, they basically have two games left. Yeah, it, two pretty good games, by the it way. It is, although 
see, then then the question comes in, how good is Michigan? Because they just – Michigan kind of dominated Penn State. Michigan is methodical, though, isn't yeah. it? Are you a Harbaugh fan? He grows on me. I like him. I, I He's one of those guys – I appreciate the fact that I feel like he realized what he was doing was not working, and he changed. That, and I think and it, he changed in a couple of different ways. One – I don't see the shtick there nearly as much as I used to. He used to be one of these raw, raw, weird ass khakis, Mike Riley, hip, hip, hooray, Walker, Walker. What? Well, no, I get it, but God, it was it was kind of weird. I mean, it was sort of. It, I mean, he he kind of had this PJ Fleckish shtick, and it was one of these like we got our thing. Here's our here's our shtick. Here's our deal. We're going to, it's the Michigan version of row the boat. And it was just, it was weird. And guess what? It didn't work. You know why? Cause it almost got him fired. The deal was it did because it wasn't working. No, now he was winning, but not to what they expected to yeah. win at. It just, but it, it was, it was kind of a weird deal. And he kind of finally did this. You know what? I'm going to shut the fuck up. I'm going to kind of back into the background a little bit. And within what we're doing on the field, I think defensively, I think they maybe kind of, I kind of feel like they sort of maybe cut loose a little bit. I mean, they they kind of they've kind of pinned their ears back a little bit more the last couple of years and have got gotten after people. I think a little bit more aggressively on defense. They're not playing this sort of bend but don't break, which is what I felt they did when he was first there. It's a little bit more of an attacking style. And then on offense, I think he's kind of gone back to more of a – I mean, it's a pro style, but I mean – It's Big Ten football. It Run is. You the got, football. They went after guys like Corum. They got them there, and they're pounding it out on the ground. And – you saw a huge. I think there's been kind of this renewed emphasis on the offensive line there. When I was a kid, Michigan had, and this is kind of back end of the Schembechler era, into the um, Gary. Well, when Gary Moore, yeah, then yeah. Lloyd Carr. So kind of Schembechler to Moore to Carr, kind of that Mueller, era. wasn't it? Gary Mueller, 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 yeah, Mueller. Sorry, Mueller was FBI. Okay, yeah. Um, it was uh. But, I mean, it was always this massive emphasis, great run game, great running backs, and amazingly good offensive line. They were one of the few schools, when you looked at the Big Ten, that could rival a place like Nebraska or Oklahoma for churning out NFL offensive line. Of course, Michigan's got uh, – you'll be watching that in Michigan State next week. I'll tell you what, this is going to be kind of a tough one because Michigan State, I – I, it, they haven't looked good. $95 million contract came out, and it seemed like some kind of flip got switched there with Mel, and I, I don't know. It's just I feel like it's been a different team. You, you know what I didn't know? You know what, you know what Kirk Ferentz's buyout is at Iowa right now? No clue. $42 million. See, that's fiscally irresponsible by any institution of higher learning or an athletic department. And I didn't, my daughter who works at the University of Mississippi, we've talked about it on the show. Isn't I, it they only do like a four-year? Three. So it's a three-year you contract? Could, yeah. And, and I think that's a little, I I think it should be a four-year contract with an automatic rollover. And the year you don't roll it over, that's your message. Yeah. You, you either win or you don't, right? Well, and I, you know, and I don't have a problem with, 
you know, if you if you've got a guy and you think he's your guy, I don't have a problem with the monster contracts. I mean, as long as it's within what you could consider market value in this day and age. Because, I mean, let's be frank, most university, major university football teams, they're paying a lot of bills directly or indirectly back to the university. So I don't have a problem with the monster contracts as long as it's within what you would consider market value. The problem is, is if you don't have some kind of like capped buyout clause. Like, listen, we give you this contract and two years in, you fall flat on your face and suck ass. Yeah, we need some recourse to not have to pay you what we what we thought you were going to be worth. I, I mean, to me, if you're what's Kirk Ferentz' incentive to win at this point? You're 67 years old. Your contract says you get a bonus if you win seven games a year, and your buyout's 42 million. Really, yeah, what's your incentive? Have you met Kirk Ferentz? I have, and I know you like him. So, so have I. And I and I don't think coaches tank it on purpose. But no it, coach tanks no, like I, that. And I, here's the other thing. No coach that I've ever seen, unless they're just, unless they're kind of a quirky dipshit, has that attitude. Okay, okay let's let's go. Uh, let's let's like uh, I guarantee you, this shit is killing Ferris. Let, let's apply it to Scott Frost. And I know people are going to say, "I don't want to talk about this anymore." We're moving forward. You're right. Um, once he lost to Northwestern, he knew it was over. You knew it was over when they lost to Northwestern. What was his incentive at that point? You want to get fired before the October date because you're going to get $15 million instead of half of that. I get that, but I think the things that Scott got fired for, he was exhibiting last year and the year That's before. True. It's it's not like that was new. Like It's not like Scott all of a sudden went in the tank. It's not like Scott was this great coach in Lincoln who all of a sudden tanked three games into year four and like pulled the plug and was like, yeah, fuck it, I'm out. Sorry, Dave. Um, it No, what we saw from Scott those first three games, it was the same stuff we saw last year and the year before and the year before that. There was nothing new there. Now, could there have been this behind the scenes like, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting fired. It's done. Screw it. Yeah, but it's not like we saw this sudden change. At the same time, too, go back and look at, like, Frank knew that he was getting shit canned. He knew he knew Steve Peterson was going to fire his ass. It's not like he went to Colorado and tanked. It's not like Bo Pelini quit coaching. True. Bo beat Iowa and then got fired. That was our last win over <laughs> Iowa. Do you realize that our last win over Iowa was four coaches ago? It's crazy, isn't it? Holy fuck. Well, I tell you what, even though Nebraska is struggling, uh, they got a big win over the weekend during the off week as uh, Malachi Coleman, the Lincoln East Spartan. Go Spartans, baby. Uh, commits to Nebraska. That's a big get for, for, for Nebraska. It is. It's This is huge. Within the recruiting world, this is hugely interesting to me. Um Coleman's a kid who, from an athletic standpoint, he might be, and I, you know, this gets thrown out a there freak, a lot. Freak, super freak. He he might be the best pure athlete I've ever laid my eyes on. I mean, his ability to run, jump, catch, do anything you ask him to do is mind-blowing. 
the guy is one of the most amazing athletes you'll ever find. Now, at the same time, while we're, while we're talking about him athletically, I, I do want to throw in the caveat that if you know the background on this kid, um, and I, I'm going to be, I might be a little wrong on some of my facts, or I believe came to the U.S. as a refugee, um, adopted, incredibly, incredibly, incredibly intelligent and maybe the biggest heart you're ever going to find. This is a kid who had NIL deals and good NIL deals last year going into his senior year in high school, turns around and gives it all back to the community. Wow. I mean, it's just an insanely good kid. Now, it'll be interesting to me to see what happens with him going forward because I'd like to think I'm pretty good occasionally at looking at a kid and saying, hey, here's where I see a guy maybe panning out a little bit better. And I look at Malachi Coleman and I think if this guy wants to get to the NFL, the surest path that he has to the NFL is to put on 20, 25 pounds, maybe 30 pounds, and turn himself into a bigger, taller, faster Khalil Mack. Go be an edge guy. Go be another, uh, oh, the kid from uh, Chad. Is it Chad Hutchinson, the the Michigan kid? He's with Detroit now. I, I mean, somebody like that. Go be one of these 6'5", 245, 250-pound hybrid D-end outside linebackers, can drop back into coverage, can rush the quarterback, can play the run, can take on – I mean, basically it's another Lawrence Taylor – can take on an offensive tackle. He's about, I believe, about 6'4", 6'5". He runs a a 10'4", 100-yard dash. He's a track guy. But he he also can long jump, high jump, triple jump, um, but just blazing speed – and kind of the thing that I'm hearing about him, I might be wrong on this, but what I'm hearing, he wants to run track in college too, which also means he doesn't want to gain 20, 30, 40 pounds. Yeah. He could blink and put on 30 pounds. I mean, it's, the frame he's got is amazing. And so what I'm hearing is he wants to stay at 205, 210, 215 and be a wide receiver and then run track along with it. And the thing is, there's like, there is a lot of six five really really fast wide receivers out there. You remember the last time you Those, had this thought for somebody? You remember this? You remember, you know where I'm going to yeah, go with Zach this? Potter? Zach Potter. It was yeah. And I remember I said I said on the TV show this guy, and at the time I said when they, Nebraska moves him to offensive tackle because I was thinking of him as a tight end. When Nebraska moves Zach Potter to offensive tackle, he's going to become a top five draft pick. And I remember, and I love Dave. Zach's dad is. I was awesome with Dave and dude. Zach last night at Scareway Cancer. And I remember Dave was kind of he, he was a little testy. He was like, "Why is Rob begging on Zach? And he has to be an offensive <laughs> lineman." And I remember you telling me you're like. No, he's complimenting Zach, saying he can be a top five NFL draft pick. Well, sure enough, Zach goes to Nebraska and was a very good defensive end. He was an all-Big 12 defensive end, which I'm one of those guys, now that I've you, you look at the process a little bit, if you're a Power 5 kid at all, you're really damn good. If you're a Power 5 starter, and Zach was like a a three-and-a-half-year starting DN for Nebraska, 
You remember Sue's touchdown of run where he returned that interception against Colorado and smashed Dan Hawkins' kid into the turf. Yep. Zach's the one who batted the damn ball down for Sue to intercept. Zach's the one who made that play happen. He was a he was an all-conference defensive end at Nebraska. He gets drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars day one. They're like, <laughs> you're an offensive football player. Now he did play tight end. Yeah, yeah. And he and he did. But I remember I remember after the first mini camp, they move him to tight end. I worked out at the same gym that uh Dave did. Dave kind of wanders up to me and he's like, big deep breath. He's like, You were right. <laughs> so it's funny. During the offseason, that'd be one of our offseason podcasts. Yeah. We'll bring Zach in here. And we'll let's just do a whole oh, podcast, that, Zach, about that whole discussion. I wanted, I just, I'm kind of curious. Well, and it's one of those. I think guys like defense. What yeah. do you want to do? I want to play defense. Yeah. Why well, I get to hit somebody? But I look at Malachi Coleman, and I think in terms of where, as an as a football player, where are you going to be the better commodity for the NFL? And right now, the the there's three big commodities in the NFL. I mean, quarterback obviously, but that's always going to exist. Once you get outside a quarterback, and those are great, great quarterbacks are few and far in between. Great offensive linemen. Malachi Coleman's not going to be an offensive lineman. Great edge guys. Another Bosa, Khalil Mack, uh Crosby with the Raiders. The guys like that are massive commodities to the NFL right now. Malachi Coleman 100% could be that guy. Great wide receivers are the third category of big-time commodities in the NFL. And when I look at great wide receivers, it's it's kind of tough. Those guys are a little few and far in between where you find I mean there's a ton of 65 guys who run a 4140. There's very few 65 guys who run a 4140 who can catch and maybe even more importantly know the entire game of route running. That is an art and a science that not a lot of guys master. And I'm not sure I've seen Coleman master that yet because he hasn't played the position for that long. So there's still a lot of upside when it comes there's to There's a massive upside no matter which direction he goes. But I think the more immediate path to where he becomes that 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 commodity in the NFL is on the defensive side. You mentioned that he had a lot of NIL deals in in uh, in, in high school. Uh, well, coming up in uh, November 18th at the University of Nebraska Law School, there's going to be a sports law panel with special uh, guest speaker Dan Lust. It's hosted by Orr Horgan and Flinty. Have you reached out to Connor Orr yet? God, I st- I've been Dude. I've been in ta- I've been in town for a grand total of two days, and I had to work. Had to kill myself at work. All I'm saying, days. they want you to be a part of this panel. They want you down I know. here. I will, I will, I will do my best. I mean, Rob, I'll, you're I'll, in high demand. I mean, if you go to your LinkedIn thing, you say it says you're like an expert, and you go to courts and and, and testify. So, although that's all in like medical malpractice, I know that. I, I, know, I know that. The, I, I, it's like when I want to know something sports law wise. I'm Twittering Dan Lust, or I'm picking up the phone and I'm just calling Connor Orr. Yeah, and you should call Connor Orr if you need a lawyer. He's a proud uh, uh, sponsor of the uh, Doc Talk podcast. Uh, get him, hold him at uh, Connor at ohflaw.com, or visit the, uh, the 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 website of Orr Horgan and Flente at ohflaw.com. If you guys are watching this podcast on YouTube, uh, you can see our T-shirts. 
We've got T-shirts. I'm Dr. Rob's got his bum I'm, shirt. I'm, a bum. I'm wearing the Sorry Dave T-shirt today. If you want to uh, buy one of these shirts, somebody sent us a picture the other day of the bum shirt on. Yeah. So you know, it has. That's only going to be a limited edition. That's and it, it is. These things are weirdly comfortable. I'm telling you right now, most comfortable T-shirt you will ever ever. They are have. super comfortable. I love these things. Yeah. So uh, we want to thank our good friends over at Raygun Customs uh, for doing this. And I'm telling you right now. Uh, you will have your shirt. You make the order. It's there within three days. There within three days. It's very simple. Um, so check out the link that is in the description on 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 Podbean, uh, also on Husker Max, and in the description on YouTube. So yeah, pick up one of the shirts. Our next order, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you a diversified portfolio shirt. Nice. Because because I like you that much. Beer. Yeah. But every time I get a shirt, I gotta buy my son one too. Because I'm that nice of a dad. And then the well, there's also the fact that he's essentially the producer of. Yeah, he's running this whole show now. He's like, we need a bigger studio. Let's go rent space. (laughs) But I think he's thinking of his band over really this thing. He's like, how much room can I have for the band, right? Hey, Owen, just knock out a wall, buddy. (laughs) No, stop it with knocking out walls. Stop it with knocking out walls. Again, a big thanks to uh, Scotty Strunk down at Husker Hounds for being a presenting, uh, uh, for helping out with the podcast. Uh, Connor Orr at Horgan, uh, Orr, Horgan, and Fuente. Uh, ticketsforless.com. You need tickets this weekend. Go to ticketsforless.com. You want a discount on those tickets? Use the code DOCTALK to get yourself a discount. And our good friends at Betfred Sports, the presenting sponsor of this podcast, download the Betfred Sports they app today. They want you to go to the strip club in Iowa. Yeah, that's right. It's a, you, easy places to bet. You can go to. Uh, the strip club right there on Abbott Drive. Half of it's in Iowa. You can do it there, or you can just drive across the river and and do it that way. Yeah, but then you'd actually have to go into Iowa for Stop real. Stop it. Stop it. It's not that bad. I was in CB the other night. I was in Council Bluffs the other night. Nobody ever sits around and goes like, I had a great time the other night. Where were you? I, I was Bluffs. at Maloney's in Council Bluffs. Uh, and, yeah, I knew it was in Council Bluffs. There's a three-legged uh, dog walking around the bar. No shit, a three-legged dog. Meth's a hell of a drug, Trav. <laughs> For Dr. Rob Zanisky, I'm Travis Justice. We will talk to you next time. Oh, by the way, before I before I sign up, don't forget the Doc's Diagnosis on YouTube presented by Centris Federal Credit Union. And this podcast will be on YouTube uh, either on Monday or Tuesday. So for Dr. Rob Zanisky, I'm Travis Justice. We'll talk to you next time on the Doc Talk Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. Betfred Sports.